0: Welcome to the Patricia Raskin Show, the program that helps you turn obstacles into opportunities, challenges into solutions, and find answers to tough questions. And now, the award-winning powerhouse voice of radio, here's your
1: host, Patricia Raskin. Hello, everyone, and welcome. Welcome to the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show, right here on voiceamerica.com, America's Voice, and I'm Patricia Raskin. We're in starting our 21st year here on Voice America and so happy to be here. This program is all about turning your obstacles into opportunities and your challenges into solutions and to really make the world a better place for you and other people around you. So very happy to be with you and to bring you amazing guests each week. And today is no exception. Today we are talking to Kevin Thomas McCarney. He's a sought-out speaker who's researched and studied communication across hundreds of thousands of encounters with coworkers, customers, colleagues, board members, friends, relatives, and strangers. He shares his insights in a brand new book, which is called Big Brain, Little Brain, How to Control Which One Speaks for You. So what's really going on inside our head when we say, text, or post, or tweet, do we ever regret it? Well, if we ever do, here's a great guide for us. Welcome, Kevin McCarney.
2: Thank you so much, I really appreciate being here.
1: Yeah, wonderful. So the first thing I wanna ask you, let me let me say a couple more things about you, Kevin. Kevin McCarney is the founder of the Poquito Moss Restaurants. He and his partner, Patty Revellis, operate a small restaurant which opened in 1984. Based in Burbank, California, the restaurants specialize in fresh Mexican food made from scratch. Because each restaurant produces over 900 tortillas a day, they invented and patented an aluminum corn tortilla press to make it easier for co-workers to make the tortillas. He has served on the board of directors of the California State Compensation Insurance Fund. California Restaurant Association, the Burbank Arts and Education Foundation, the Boys and Girls Club of Burbank, and the Universal City North Hollywood Chamber of Commerce. He grew up in Hollywood, where he worked as a janitor, a switchboard operator, a waiter, a manager, a trainer, a doorman at Ramen's Chinese Theater, and a tour guide at Universal Studios. And he lives in Burbank. Well, welcome again, Kevin. And I've got questions before we even start with the interview. I bet you've met a lot. Celebrities in your day?
2: I had many, uh, and, and, and most of them very nice, very, very nice, very genuine people for, for the most part. And I would say that uh, 99%. Uh, and I think that I'm very grateful for the opportunity to have met them. I'm, everything from people when I was standing at the door, Grandma's Chinese, to when I was a tour guide, to walking into the restaurants. to um, so just genuinely nice people looking for a place they can sit by themselves and, and relax.
1: You know, it's interesting. Years ago, I heard a speaker in Hollywood talking about celebrities. And I was in the back of the room and I raised my hand and I said, Is there something different? Do, do, do celebrities or people who, um, you know, are famous actors and actresses, do they have something in common? And here's what he said He said, A lot of them are very shy. They're very shy in person and their persona comes out when they act.
2: It's true, and as one of the reasons we have a sign on the front of each of our restaurants that says no autographs, no photographs, mm-hmm. and, and, and no audio recording, because so many times when a, when a celebrity has come in, we want them to just take it easy. We don't want paparazzi, and we don't want anybody taking pictures. They're just coming in to, to take 30 minutes or 40 minutes to take a break, and so we really want to respect that time that they're in and give them that, that time to to either be shy or say something a lot of them super super nice and they want to engage but we don't try we and we if anything we try to give them an atmosphere where where they're not going to be interrupted
1: wonderful all right so let's talk about the book big brain little brain what's the difference between the big brain and the little brain
2: well you know i, I i've been studying this for so long now and you know, when I was growing up and all the different jobs I had, I've always been in customer service. I've always been dealing with the public. And I noticed a pattern in the way people respond or react in different situations, even myself. And so I did a little bit more investigation, find out. And the, the the difference is that the big brain, I'm on the big brain, is that neocortex, that part of the brain that is smart. It has all our information. It knows everything. It knows what to say. It's in control. It's genuine. It's empathetic it's compassionate, it's kind, and it's a good listener. And that's the, the brain that will respond to different situations uh, and, and, and build trust. The little brain, I seek, I look at the, the reptilian brain that everybody talks about the fight or flight brain, but I think it's the, the fight or flight brain is is inadequate for a total uh, concept here. So the little brain is that, that reptilian brain that is impulsive. It It's insensitive. It, it's, it's, going to overreact. It's going to always be on the defensive. It's always going to be a poor listener. It's always going to be selfish because it's the primal part of the brain, you know, and, and so it it has a control on how we speak and different things. And the little brain usually creates a lot of mistrust because of the way that it will snap back at people and be careless in their comments. If there's a, a movie, if you want to talk about a movie that's a good example of big brain, little brain, um, have you seen the movie um, um, with uh, Bill? Bill, oops, my thing here. With with Bill Murray, Groundhog Day.
1: I think so. A while ago, yes. Yeah, it's a, it's a while ago.
2: It's a great illustration of big brain versus little brain because he starts off as snarky and sensitive, selfish, and and just caring about himself, and yet at some point in the movie, he really wants to connect with this the female character in the film, and he can't because he's, he normally is snarky and sarcastic, and, he, and it's a perfect example of, of what happens until, and so he has to relive that same day over and over again, mm-hmm. and, and never moving forward, because he is still in little brain mode, that snarky, impulsive, sarcastic uh, little brain mode until he learns how to be compassionate and genuine and, and a, a good listener and in control, all of a sudden his, he can move forward. At the end of the movie, I hope I don't think I'm. this is technically a spoiler because it's about 20 years old. And I think yeah. there's a 10-year 10, 10, 10 uh, statute of limitations on spoiler. So I think that what the movie illustrates perfectly is that lots of times when we want to move forward in, in our business, in in our our job, in relationships, we we can't act the same. We can't be that snarky, you know, careless, selfish person. If we want that relationship to move forward, we really yeah. got to switch over to the big brain.
1: And I want to ask you about this, Kevin, because you know I have met people who really mean well, but they check that little brain just takes over. And even when it's been pointed out to them, it's sometimes it's very hard for them to change. Maybe they don't want to, but it's automatic. These kinds of comments. What what are your what's your feeling about that?
2: Well, it's there's a lot of things that I, I would call, uh, and I, I use this in, in a lot of terms is a lot of things that activate us you know even the nicest people under certain circumstances under under certain pressure or circumstances right. will say the wrong thing and sometimes you'll have somebody that'll make a terrific comment a wonderful speech and all of a sudden at the very end they say that they say something that sort of negates what they just said and a lot of it is because of the pressure they're under and it depends upon what environment there's a lot of things that that i use the word activate instead of um uh, what 's the word they use for to 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 get us uh, angry or upset you know yep. it 's it's, it's not something that that w- we recognize in the pressure of the moment what 's happening if we don 't have a lot of rest if we haven 't had sleep if yeah. if we 're running late for an appointment if you know we get poor service at a restaurant um, or you know rude customers if you're if you 're one of the um, uh, employees. There's so many different little things that can activate us where we just go, oh, that's a pet peeve of mine. And I, I got to say something back right now because that person, yeah, they, they don't have a right to be rude. So I'm going to say something back. And even though we have a right to say something, sometimes it's not the right thing to say in that moment. And I think that the people you're talking about that are generally good people, they get activated. And, you know, one of the things that activates me is gossip. When I hear gossip, I go, oh. I just really wish I wasn't hearing that. I just, it just sort of, you know, that the, the the pet peeves where we grit our teeth and, and we go, oh, that's what a, a little brain does. little brain will get activated easily on different things. You're running late for an appointment and all of a sudden traffic starts to back up. Uh, the person in front of you needs to make a left turn and, and they're making it as fast as you want them to, you know, and all these different little things. If we let little brain take over, you know, we'll start laying on the horn and we'll start yelling or, or we'll make comments that we should, or regret later.
1: And that's so, where little
2: brain and these activators will take over. And it's it's something that I feel that if people can recognize the activators in their own life. And one of the things I try to do in the book is, is give them sort of a worksheet, recognize what activates you. You know, uh, a barking it's dog,
1: it's you know, it's a it's loud okay. radio,
2: because yeah, you it's know it's that. It's-
1: of something that would activate someone like you said for you it could be gossip
2: yes yeah and it could very easily be you know in in trans- your travel right now you look at all the different situations with people and travel and they're getting upset uh because they have to wait a long time or because they're they they didn't pack enough food and they're hungry and and they're delayed uh all these little things that that They're unexpected, they're uncertainties, and we don't like it. We don't like it when things don't go the way we planned. Mm. That's little brain territory. Little brain wants to jump in and and make a comment and say something or pile on if there's an argument. Oh, I'm going to pile on to this. This is where we have to get little brain. And one of the tools we talk about in the book is when you're under pressure, when you know that little brain is trying to take over, you've got to dip into neutral. Mm-hmm. And neutral is a space uh, where we all have it. It's that little bit of time we have before we say that rude comment or uh, insult or name calling. We have a little bit of moment where we have an immediate awareness. Like, oh, I need to be careful what I'm going to say here. And mm-hmm. so what we talk about in the book is practicing your neutral by using your neutral words, and we lay out what some would of the words that,
1: are. Uh, right, and would part of that also be, Kevin, breathing, like deep breathing? Just when you start getting upset, you stop. You do some deep breathing, which kind of, you know, almost restarts your computer, if you will.
2: You know, that's a beautiful, beautiful comment. And let me tell you a little thing about happened to me. I had been at the restaurants, I'd worked in like an 18-hour day, and coming home has been a really long, crazy day. And I'm just exhausted. I walk into my house, and I'm thinking, I am just going to be able to go in and sit down, grab a glass of water, and just take it easy. But instead, uh, there's 25 choir kids jumping up and down and singing at the top of their lungs in my living room. And so I opened the door, and I went, okay, what do we got here? And breathing out with a neutral word, and my neutral word is okay. Breathing out takes that tension away from the moment. And if you're, instead of letting it build and turn into something negative, a neutral word that, is, it, it, that we all have, by the way, I want to uh, talk about somebody who actually thought about this 50 years ago, and that was uh, a man named Viktor Frankl, He's an yes. Austrian yes. neuropsychologist who understood yes. this idea that there's a space between the time you hear something and the time you react to it time you something happens to you in the time you respond and that space is neutral we all have it we all know it some of us use it more than others and but the idea in the book is like trying to get people to identify their neutral words and phrases so they can begin to build a much stronger neutral that that, that can take over in any situation
1: yeah yeah and I think um, Victor Frankl's been a great example of that you know but I think as you say and it's also too don't you think that Another thing we can do is when we know what's stressful for us. So before we get into that situation, like we know we're going on a plane or we know we're going to be around people who are gossipy or we know that there's going to be a traffic jam. And, and in other words, prepare ourselves so that when that happens, we can go into neutral. What do you think?
2: That's exactly right. You're absolutely right. If, if you prepare yourself, if you know this is going to happen and you practice your neutral words, grab a book, know it's going to take long Everything's going to take longer right now. Everything has in the last several years. Prepare yourself. If you're going into a party where you know there's somebody that you're not fond of there or it's not fond of you, you know, it doesn't mean it's a perfect opportunity to start talking or yelling at them. It's a perfect opportunity to kind of stay away and and stay in neutral so you don't get engaged in an argument or or don't let a conversation turn into a confrontation because you you allow the, the tone between yourselves to escalate. And that's exactly it. If you think about this ahead of time, you know, we all have certain people in our lives where we're not necessarily crazy about, but it doesn't mean you have to be angry and doesn't mean you have to take advantage of the moment to try to make, uh, get back at them or something. It's really about keeping yourself and, and the people around you in focus.
1: Absolutely. And we've got three minutes to break, but let me ask you this question and and then we can pick it up after the break. Is our whole society really being full of misinformation? So the impulse to cut people off or fact check them is very prevalent. You say, though, that the authentic attentive listening is essential to good communication and that that's going to help us so that we can resist our impulse to be right.
2: Yes. And I think that one of the things the internet has done is a wonderful thing that has been created, but it's also uh, it's created a nemesis for us, and that is it, it allows people to be impulsive and overreact instantly in the moment without giving it any thought, without giving it any perspective, and 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 just automatically fire back a comment on Twitter or Facebook because they they feel that they the whole world is watching this conversation, and if they don't say something back, then. And that it can look like they lost. It's it's a fallacy. And I think that are, are the psyche of the Internet and, and these social um, sites, uh, anti-social sites sometimes, I think uh, is important. We have to take control. We have to take control. We can't let the, no matter what they are, we can't let ourselves be controlled by them and the need to sort of uh, get back at people because somebody says something that we don't like.
1: All right, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk to Kevin about the COVID pandemic, how that's made everyday situations like airplane trips or interactions at supermarkets fraught with tension. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about work environment and handling rude behavior of others, and we have a lot more tools to talk about with Kevin McCarney, who has spent several decades managing customer and employee relations across a wide range of industries and organizations, and Uh, His book is Big Brain, Little Brain, How to Control, Which One Speaks for You. You're listening to the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show right here on voiceamerica.com, America's Voice, and we'll be right back.
3: Follow us on Twitter at voiceamericatrn. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's
4: voiceamericatrn. Today, our 40s sit firmly in midlife. We are starting to feel our place and have many productive years ahead. But now is the best time to plan for our future life. Listen for 45 Forward with host Ron Roel. From retirement to health and technology to caring for our parents, no topic is off the table. We don't have a roadmap to our actual future, but we can start to plan more effectively. Tune into 45 Forward, Mondays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel.
3: Channel. join hosts nav and nav every week for good morning canada our home is canada but our message and reach is boldly global our focus is on the alternative perspective the hidden dimension and the expansive horizon ideas are designed to be challenged perceptions shattered and information balanced we invite you to visualize the converse viewpoint dare to be inquiring, but always promise an hour of lively fun Listen worldwide at 12 noon Eastern time, 9
4: a.m. Pacific time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Do you know that over 70% of people with disabilities are not counted in the workforce with twice the unemployment rate of the non-disabled? Join Joyce Bender, CEO of Bender Consulting Services and a disability leader as she talks about best practices and newest trends in disability employment on Disability Matters. As a person living with epilepsy and hearing loss, Joyce is an international advocate for disability employment. Tune in on Tuesdays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel.
3: Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com.
0: You are listening to The Patricia Raskin Show. If you wish to call into our program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That number again is 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to Patricia at PatriciaRaskin.com. Now, back to The Patricia Raskin Show.
1: Hi, everyone. We are back. You are listening to The Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show right here on VoiceAmerica.com, America's Voice. We are talking today to Kevin McCartney, who is the author of Big Brain, Little Brain, How to Control Which One Speaks for You. Kevin McCarney has spent several decades managing customer and employee relations across a wide variety of industries and organizations. He's been a guest speaker at the USC Marshall School of Business, the UCLA Anderson School of Business, and Woodbury University, among many others. And he's a successful entrepreneur, speaker, mentor, husband, and father. And he's also the owner of a restaurant in Burbank, California. And, um, and so he's very busy with his writing and also with his work in his restaurant. So welcome back, Kevin.
5: Thank you.
1: All, all right. Let's talk about, yeah, and let's just tell them that your restaurant specializes in fresh Mexican food made from scratch. And um, and that you've made over your restaurants made produces over 900 tortillas a day, and you've invented and patented an aluminum corn tortilla press to make it easier for co-workers to make the tortillas. So um, a businessman, an entrepreneur, um, uh, an uh, inventor, if you will, wonderful. So let's talk about the the big brain and how we can utilize it, particularly during this time of COVID. When people are very stressed because of all the uncertainty, it brings out our anxieties. What do you think, Kevin?
2: Yeah, I think that that's one of the, the side effects of, of, of this virus, aside from you know people getting sick and some people even passing away from it, is that as as, as it wanes, and we're, we're hoping we're in the waning phase of it, that it, the residual impact is that it's created a lot of situations where people... Um, literally overreacted and they didn't use their big brain. They, they they didn't understand that there's a ripple effect to almost everything they say. And unlike, you know, um, 30, 40 years ago, when we said something, it it's still 30, 40 years ago. But now whenever you say something, whenever you write something, whenever you post something, it's there forever. Right.
5: And it'll, it'll
2: come back and bite you if you're not in control of your words. And I think that this is where big brain has to take over. There's so many different situations um, that we can allow our little impulsive brain that wants to overreact to get out of control. It, travel is certainly one of them because you know there's so many different uh, unknown uncertainty and certainly. Uh, no control. We don't have any control over the plane, over the cab, over the weather, all these different things. We have no control. And so however we think it's going to go and it doesn't go that way, then we start getting upset. And I, this is where we have to sort of let our big brain take control and realize that, hey, it, tomorrow's going to come. We're going to be fine no matter what happens today. It's not that big a deal. And I know it's easier for me to say that, but in so many situations where, where things that have, have gone wrong, uh, and, and I, I just want to lash out. It really is important to understand um, the ripple effect that your words have. Mm-hmm. You know, that you say something, you know, negative, it's going to have a ripple effect on your life. It's going to come back and bite you. You say something positive or you, you're, you help other people through a difficult moment, that's going to have a, a positive ripple effect on your Absolutely. life. And this Absolutely. is all common sense in a lot of ways. Yeah. But it yeah. really does, con- it's good to sort of visualize that that reverberation of a negative comment and that smoothness of a positive comment.
1: Mm-hmm. Kevin, how would you if you if you experience rude behavior of others um, or unwarranted sarcasm from consumers in the work environment or your personal environment? How do you how should you handle it?
2: Well, this is where um, the story uh, in the book. I think um, if we tell it. Our training sessions. Um, and that is um, two ladies walked into my West LA store. Um, and they, one of them ordered enchiladas, the other one ordered a salad. And they, they went to sit down, and we ordered, we got the enchiladas and the salad out to the ladies. And about five minutes later, the lady with the enchiladas comes back up to the counter and literally in this 50 seat restaurant, as loud as she possibly can, slams the enchiladas on the counter and screams, These enchiladas are cold. So now everybody mm. in the restaurant is over focusing on the manager and this lady. Everybody's in this conversation because, of, because the tone escalated to, a, to an incredible level. Yep. The manager looked at the lady and said, you know what? I'm so sorry. I will make you some new enchiladas. I will get them out to you right away. I, 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 I guarantee they'll be great. And he does. Makes the enchiladas. Gets them out. Gets to her. They're, they're hot. plate melting hot. But... She gets them she waits about eight or 10 minutes, comes back up. You made these enchiladas cold again, slams them on the counter. Again, everybody in the restaurant is in dismay, but they're looking at this and the, the manager looks like she says, I am so sorry. I, I will personally uh, uh, go make some enchiladas or I tell you what, better that. Let me get you something else. Maybe the enchiladas aren't going to work today. Anything in the menu and it's on me. And, and he, and he looks at her and says, I, I really apologize for this. He says, you know, I, I, I really need your patience. And she says, fine. She goes and she sits down, gets her, uh, she says, give me some of those taquito things. And he, he does. Gets her taquitos, but he notices about 15 minutes later, she hasn't taken but one bite. And so he's getting nervous, but he's got a line to the door. And all of a sudden, a couple minutes later, he feels a hand on his arm. And it's the lady with the enchiladas. And, and she has nothing in her hand this time. And he's a little nervous, but he looks at her, and she says, thank you. And he's so surprised, as is everybody in the restaurant, that she's changed her tone of voice, and she's saying thank you. She says, thank you for not getting angry at me. Because I haven't slept in days. I haven't eaten in days. I just came from the hospital. My husband's there. It's not good news. I, I didn't mean to take it out on you. Wow. And with, the, with that, the entire restaurant melted. And the, the, the manager, who had maintained his tone the entire time, just said, I'm so sorry about that, gave her a hug, and, and they, they, they both just shared a, uh, a moment, and, and she said, I'll come back. She says, I'm really sorry. She said, no, just don't worry about us. Take care of yourself. And it made a huge difference to where
5: mm. almost
2: everybody in the restaurant came back to the manager afterwards thanking him for oh, yeah. the way he handled that situation. Mm. And that's what happens a lot in life. Is wow. Somebody, now, Kevin, was this phone. your
1: restaurant? Was this your restaurant?
2: Yeah. It was my wow. restaurant. Wow. Um, and the thing, it happens a lot. People will overreact. We don't know why. We right. don't have all the answers as that this person is overreacting. There's no way somebody's reacting react in the situation because of the temperature. And it really ultimately had nothing to do with the enchilada. Of course. It had nothing to do with that. It had everything to do with something else. So today, there's so many things going on in people's lives. And the moment you're in front of them, they're overreacting. Just back away. Relax. Give them some space. Because I think what people need to do right now, they don't know how to react to certain situations because they're they're out of practice. It's been a couple years sometimes for some some people.
1: However, though, I do want to ask you this. If somebody is rude to you or abusive to you or calls you a name, you do have to stand up for that. What do you think?
0: Well,
2: there's, there's, a, 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 there's again, there's what you have a right to say, and there's the right thing to say for the moment. I'm a big believer in diffusing uh, anger and not letting uh, conversations escalate, because that's easy. It's easy to just try to outtone somebody, but all that does is create a more a negative energy for that conversation that can ultimately turn into a confrontation. So, if somebody is rude, I think. The number one thing we train all of our cashiers on this, we just had a two week training program on how to handle people that are upset because they don't want to show you their vaccination card because they don't believe and they, that they have to. They should. And so we had to train them how to handle that customer, respect that customer, at the same time, handle them so that so that they don't create a, a problem for everybody else in the restaurant. You know, and it, a lot of it has to do with our tone of voice. And, you know, most importantly, probably the most difficult thing is to not take things personally.
5: Mm-hmm. Even though
2: somebody is saying you and like, mm-hmm. lay with the enchiladas, you made these enchiladas. Oh, no, don't take it personal. The best thing we can do is, is become superwoman or superman and let the ne- negative comments that people really didn't mean bounce off. Because it really is something that is not worth the confrontation. And, and it will move beyond the moment. And just like the enchilada story, I can't tell you how many times we, I've got employee stories where something has happened like that. We've treated them right. And people come back up, you know what? I want to apologize. I was absolutely wrong. That was, that was wrong of me. You have to give people a chance to see how they're wrong. But don't just point it out to them. Don't just say, no, you're wrong. Don't try to win the argument. Try to win the moment. Win the moment no, where but, that person is going to understand yeah, that they overstepped.
1: Right. And do you agree that if they are abusive, you can say, I really want to help you, but I can't when you're talking to me in that tone? All right. Oh, absolutely.
2: I, our, our our motto is, listen, I, I'm doing the best I can. Uh, I don't think I'm going to be able to help you right now. I'm going to step away. That's that's our training. Step away. Let the manager come in and handle it because that, they step away. It gives them a chance to think, well, you know, yep. I, I'm... I'm in a moment here, but it, we're, we will, I will not let my employees be abused by anybody. I'm not going to let them be pushed around. And I, at the same time, we're trying to respect how people's lives are right now, but we're not going to let the employees be pushed. You know, yeah. we'll do everything yeah. we can, yeah. but my employees have the uh, permission to just completely step away and and step out of the way and take the next customer and let the manager handle the the erratic customer
1: yeah, which is great which is great i want to ask you kevin about cultural differences i mean you know you have different cultures where you are um, and so how you handle that in terms of understanding behaviors and maybe the way other people think, on um, different norms. So how do you work with that? Um, certainly you have a Mexican restaurant and you have people of that ethnicity that come in, but you have all different kinds of people come in. So how do you handle all that?
2: Well, thank you for asking that question. We handle everybody exactly the same. My, somebody said, well, who's your customer? Who's, who's your core customer? Somebody who's doing marketing. Who, what, what is it? What, design your core customer for me. I said, well, you know what? It's gardeners and the people who hire gardeners and everybody in between. Because when it comes to food, food is, 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 a, is primal. People are coming right. in. They're coming in because they want the food and we, they want to be treated well. And what we do is our job is to give them the food they want and not make a mistake. If we do make a mistake, make up for the mistake. But when it comes to the food, it, it's, it's personal. And so it's, when it comes to th- that burrito or somebody else, we, we have not had difficult, we've been in business 37 years now. Wow. Um, and I, I wow. started the restaurant 30, 37 years ago. I uh, still got my very first employee I hired uh, 37 years wow. ago. Wow.
1: That's amazing. And we have,
2: you know, um, and I, I feel grateful that we're still in business, but, one of the things we do is we focus on the food. We are a, a, an environment where we want people to come in and feel comfortable. I don't care who they are. We don't treat celebrities any better or worse than anybody else. We don't treat somebody who comes in uh, with uh, grungy clothes any different than anybody else. Because, you know, if they're out there working in a ditch and all of a sudden their, their boots aren't quite as clean as they, they we'd like them to be, we're not going to stay anything. You know, we're, we're going to, we'll clean up around and we'll do whatever we need to. Our job is to create an atmosphere that they want to return to, because the restaurant business is, is an important business for every community. And I think one of the greatest stories about restaurants is uh, back in 1765. And this is what restaurants do. Restaurants restore people on a daily basis. A man named Boulanger started a, wanted to start a restaurant in Paris, but he couldn't get into any of the food unions. So in, instead of getting into food unions, he started his own little shop where he made soups and stews, but the, the other unions didn't have any control over that. So he made soups and stews, and he put a little sign in his window. Come in, you weary traveler, and my food will restore you. And when you think about it, people are coming into the restaurant to be restored. They're hungry. That's primal. They're, they, they, want, they may... They're getting away from work for 20 or 30 minutes. They want to relax for an hour. On Fridays and Saturday, they want to restore. They want to go out and have a couple of drinks. They want to restore themselves. And that's really what we are. We are little points of restoration throughout the day that people can come into. So our whole training program is to teach people, hey, yes, people may come in a little anxiety-filled and not quite as polite at the beginning of the conversation. Our job is to restore them, give them a nice atmosphere, give them nice food, feed them, and then they can be restored. They can go back, back out on their journey. mm
1: mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right, we're going to take a break in a couple of minutes. And we're going to talk about how to talk to our children, especially a teenager. You know, it can be taxing experience when kids often speak from their emotions. So I'm going to talk to you, Kevin, about that um, in our next uh, in our last segment today. And I want to let people know about your book again, Big Brain, Little Brain, how to speak, which one how to control which one speaks for you. And Kevin McCartney has spent several decades managing customer and employee relations across a wide variety of industries and organizations. He has a Mexican restaurant in Burbank, California. These have for 37 years. And really, um, his internal customers are just as important as his external customers that come into the store, into the uh, restaurant. So um, a wonderful role model for this. Kevin, um, how can people find your book?
2: Um, Bigbrainlittlebrain.com. Amazon. Um, any, uh, any of the major book outlets has it. Um, and, and it's, um, it's something that, you know, Amazon has been discounting at an incredible price for the hardcover, which I really enjoy. And they said, Oh, well, it's because it's, it's, it's getting traffic. I said, okay, well, good. And cause it doesn't change anything for me, but it's, it's going really well. And I think that you know there's a couple of fire departments that are using it for some of their training programs and some other people that have contacted right. me about their training programs it really is just about helping people in the pressure of the moment and and making it easier for them to deal with it so if amazon's probably the best place to get it
1: okay all right so we're going to take a quick break. Again, you're listening to the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show right here on voiceamerica.com, America's Voice. And my guest is Kevin McCarney. And his book is Big Brain, Little Brain, How to Control Which One Speaks for You. All right, And stay tuned, folks. We will be right back.
2: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America.
3: Tune in to Melody Edmondson's The Space of the Waste radio program. This companion piece to her successful guidebook series, The Space of the Waste, focuses on body types and how to make your waist length flattering, no matter what your body type is. Guests include designers, merchandise managers, factory owners, and more. You'll also find out what accessories will complement your body shape and waist length. Tune in every Tuesday at noon Pacific time and 3 p.m. Eastern time on Voice America Variety.
2: Planning for college?
0: Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern, on Voice America Variety.
3: The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com.
1: Living with Patricia Raskin, right here on VoiceAmerica.com, America's Voice. My guest today is Kevin McCarney. He's a successful entrepreneur who spent several decades managing customer and employee relationships across a wide range of industries and organizations. He's been a guest speaker at USC Marshall School of Business. The UCLA Anderson School of Business and Woodbury University, among many universities and colleges and high schools and business organizations, and he also owns a Mexican restaurant, and which he operated since 1984. And he and his partner Patty Ravelis operate this restaurant, and it's based in Burbank, California. They make fresh Mexican food from scratch. And they patented an aluminum corn tortilla press to make it easier for co-workers to make tortillas because they produce over 900 tortillas a day. And he served on many boards in California and he grew up in, in Hollywood. All right, so welcome back, Kevin. All right, Thank let's you talk you. about, yeah, let's talk about children, what we can teach our children, what you taught your children, how we help them, because especially teenagers, it's very difficult today.
2: Well, uh, you know, Oh, it's interesting you say that because I think it's my children that taught me. And <laughs> I'm going to tell you, I was, it's Christmas time right now. And there's a particular photograph I have that I, that I have on the wall in, in, in my office. And uh, I was underneath the Christmas tree uh, many years ago when my daughter w- uh, was about five years old. And I was underneath trying to connect the lights and get everything to work. And I noticed Caitlin's little steps going up the ladder. And I went, Caitlin, you know, she shouldn't go up the ladder. Caitlin, uh, get down from there. And I hear, but, but daddy, daddy. And I go, Caitlin, get down from there. You know, raise my voice to parental tone number two, right? Because that's what you do. And then, so she goes up the next rung of the ladder. And I went, Caitlin Rose, you know, you add the middle name and you're really escalating this thing. So You're, <laughs> you're escalating the tone of everything. And, and she goes, but daddy, daddy. And I couldn't believe this person who always listens wasn't listening, so I, but I couldn't see what was happening. I couldn't see what she was doing. And this is another thing about not being able to see exactly what's going on. So I got off from under the tree. I was ready to launch with a, a, a much more negative attitude and, 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 and tone. And I looked at her, and she's got the angel that goes on the top of the tree that she wanted to put on top of the tree and surprise me. So I looked at that, and I went, Caitlin, you've got to get down from there. It's, it's not safe. And this five-year-old looks at me, and she says, I like that tone better, Daddy. (laughs) I could not believe.
5: That is I
2: I just sat down on the floor and looked at her, and I said, Caitlin, wait wait for me. I'll follow you up. I just couldn't believe she had called me out on that. It was exactly right, because I couldn't see what was happening. I was escalating my tone. And to children, tone is everything. Yep. because as we as the one thing I learned as a father, and I wanted to really try to understand how to communicate with my kids as a father because I've got two girls and 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 i I learned early on is you know when they're young, when they can't even know the words that we're using, they can understand the tone that we're using, yeah.
5: Yeah. and it's
2: usually tone how we try to control them yeah. uh when they're infant, and then as they yeah. grow and they start adding the words to the tones all, all of a sudden that the tone still becomes the most important thing. And, and I, so what, one of the things that we teach in our training right now with, with, with anybody, kids tone as parents, yeah. you know, yeah. we may think we have a, a right to be upset or angry, but it is, we don't have a right to use an angry tone. We shouldn't, yeah. we can find every other way to yeah. get the message across without using a negative tone well, because I the tone to, is yeah. the message.
1: Yeah. In almost have, every
2: situation.
1: I have to share a story real quick that I share in my webinars that I do on resilience and parenting and, and um, you know, and stress management techniques. And it's exactly the point you're making. It's a mom who's working at her computer. She's working remotely due to COVID. And in walks the little child into the office, opens the door, crying and crying. And instead of the mom saying, shh, go away, mommy's busy, she beckons the child in puts the child on her lap, points to the computer and says, see, see what mommy's doing? She's talking to all these people. She's having a meeting. And she said the child just snuggled into her shoulder, sat there quietly, just got off her, her knee and left the room very happily. And I think that's an example of what you're saying.
2: You're, you're absolutely right. Listen, we only have a limited amount of time with them as kids. So we want to make that the most profitable, productive possible because if if, if we... Can't learn to communicate with our kids on a, on a nice tone, then it's it's not going to be good for them. It's not going to be good for us. But controlling their tone with with children, whether it's in the schoolyard or anywhere else, it's critical. One of the places, as as my kids were growing, one of the things that I noticed and that helped me to write the book is that when I went into different youth sports things that they were participating in, I noticed little brain activity like crazy. And it wasn't the kids. It was the parents. Mm-hmm. They've been to a Little League game, some many games. You find parents completely losing it and, and yelling and screaming, you know, and, and just being more, they, they, if they had a camera on them, they would see how negative it's being, but it really affects the child. That, that tone of voice, whether it's the parent yelling at the other team or yelling at the umpire, it really affects the child. They they are watching and reading everything. They can remember everything. My daughter right. Grace has, I think, a completely photographic uh, memory, yeah. and can she yeah. can remember how I yeah, said something, what I said, right. you name it. She right. she's got it on me.
1: And and just think about it. I mean, if that mom had said to the little child, you know, go away, mommy's busy, the child would have kept crying, uh, and it was such an easy uh, thing for her to do. And well, the child you know, stopped I, the right and there's
2: another uh, great movie with Kevin Hart right now um, uh, uh, where he becomes a, a single father. And it's a similar situation where he has to learn to, to, to work with, and his work has to learn to work with a child around there because you know, it, it's not like we, we can just put people in boxes and, and, and control every minute of our day. There's times, listen, there's times when I, someone will come to work with me and I'll see somebody sitting in the dining room working on something, and I know that that's just somebody, they, they, they didn't have a babysitter or they didn't have somebody's going to come to pick them up. You know, the people that are our employees sometimes will bring their kids and just sit them there because they don't know what else to do. And, 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 and so we, we just we have a very liberal policy on, on on relaxing on that. It's not that we can't be productive, but it doesn't mean that we have to be so rigid that we can't allow parents. And I think the pandemic proved a lot of this. I was in uh, a lot of different phone calls and Zoom calls with people where you realize, and somebody says, Oh, my child is, Well, bring him in. Bring him in. Let's talk to him. Let me talk to him. Because th- there isn't this separation between work and family right now, you know, and work and home. It's, it's, it's blended together, and we have to live with that. Let's roll with it. Let's, let's be patient. Let's, let's understand that, yes, we, we want to be heard, but sometimes you just have to take a break. And, and, uh, and, and, and you take a break, and like you did with the thing. Right. Look, look, show the child. More importantly, I think the most important part of your story is she picked up a child and put it in her lap. Exactly. So that's the message. That's the message. Yes.
1: Mommy loves you. Right. Mommy loves exactly. you. Exactly. A nonverbal message. That's, yeah, absolutely. That is
2: the message. Yeah. And the way <laughs> you toned it, too, it's exactly the tone to use yeah. so that the yeah. child realizes that they haven't done anything wrong. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So true. Kevin, what is your takeaway? What would you like to leave our listeners with? And we have time for a story too.
2: Yeah, I think the takeaway is that um, I mean the whole world needs to get to neutral uh, and needs to learn about neutral. I think there's a uh, listen. I'm I started learning this. So I was a snarky 19 year old kid when I was a tour guide at Universal. I thought I knew everything. I'm got 128 people on the tram, and I got a microphone, and and I was just a I was a snarky 19 year old, kind of a punk kid. I was, I was nice. I was good. I was good at my job, but a situation happened where the trams started breaking down. All of a sudden, it's a very long wait to get into the trams. And all of a sudden, it was hot. It was a hundred degrees plus. People were not, not happy. And I get in my mi- microphone in the break room. Kevin, go on tram on the right. That's a group from Europe and they're not happy. Deal with it. You know, and I felt like it was being fed to the lions, but. I get on the tram and the, the leader of the group grabs my arm. He says, no, take us back to the bus right now. We have no intention of going on this tour. You can't do this to us. I look at him and I, and this is a physical and verbal confrontation. I looked at him. I said, sir, I'm going to have to ask you to sit down because the tram's going to move. The driver immediately started moving the tram. And, and I sat there for a moment. I go, you know, it's not my fault that it's 100 degrees out. It's not my fault that all is happening. But these people don't have a right to be rude to me. I'm going to get back at them. I, I am going to get back at them. And I think the world, whole world is in a get back mode right now if, if we allow ourselves to get there. In this particular situation, um, I started, the tram started going. And I thought I'm just going to give these people a terrible tour. I have a right to because they insulted me. I have a right to get back at them. And this is happens a lot today with with different situations, but as the tram started to move, everybody they, cooled off a little bit. But I didn't recognize in the front row of the second car there was a family from the Midwest that got stuck there with this group, and they all were sunburned as like anybody else, but they had smiles on their face. And all of a sudden, this snarky nineteen year old kid who wanted to give a terrible tour looked at this family and go, "Wow, I've got to give these people a great tour." I'm in the same situation, the same tram, the same time of day, same frame. And I said, no, I'm going to give these people the best tour I can. And within 10 minutes of me giving that family the best tour I could, everybody else in the tram came along. All of a sudden, everybody was having a good time. at the end, a, an unexpected round of applause and people just thanking me at the end. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I couldn't believe that this group had turned around. but And the family from the Midwest had waited to speak to me. And I'll never forget figure- get this. The, the father came up and says, you know, uh, son, you turned that group around. They, they were not mm-hmm. happy. And I go, no, you did. You, your smiles mm-hmm. gave me the signal that I could, I, mm-hmm. in, a, in a split second, I could change my attitude. I could mm-hmm. change my mode. And, and I chose to give a different tour because I was going to give a, a terrible one. And the mother puts her hand on my shoulder. She says, well, just want to thank you for giving us that tour and choosing to give us that tour, because this is the only time we can ever afford to be in California. And it just made our vacation. Mm. So in a split second, in a split second, we can all switch our attitudes in a split second. We can shift from little brain, to big brain and and Mm -hmm. all the nuances that come with it in a split second. We all have that ability to do that. And I think that it's, that we need to do right now is to realize that no matter what's happening in our life, it, we still have a choice over how we're going to respond or react to this. And that's the whole book is really about choice. It's about choosing and knowing that no matter what's happening in your life, you have a choice in the way you're going to respond.
1: Right. And you have lots of stories in the book as well. You've told some of them here. But you have stories and you have diagrams and you talk about different words that you can use. And, um, I mean, it's, and, and, um, you talk about, um, you know, tuning into others, um, daily awareness checkup. There are big brain tools. There is people who assume the negative. How do we, uh, what's an awareness takeaway. So, I mean, you have a lot here for people to work on in this book.
2: Yeah, it's, it's a, it's a good workbook. And if you download it on your, your phone, you, you've got it always with you. But I think that the, the thing is that I think that, When it comes to interpersonal communication, I mean, in school, we we learn English and and literature. Uh, In in college, they learn, uh, um, you know, uh, mass communication. Mm -hmm.
5: Uh, But
2: in everyday life, that interpersonal communication skills, we only gather them from the people around us unless we make an effort to try to find other ways to communicate. So I'm encouraging people to find better ways to communicate.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. and and um, yeah, it, it's how do we communicate and how we listen, and that's also emotional intelligence. That's the other part of oh, that yes. is the emotional Absolutely. intelligence. Absolutely, yeah. it's yeah, listening. It's listening is everything yeah. because yeah. listening Have is how
2: you read the other person. You know what mode they're in. You know if they're little listen, brain mode or big brain mode by by the tone they're using. Right. You know and, and listen from and their, their point, point of, view. of view. Beg your pardon.
1: And and listen from their point of view.
2: Yes. And I try to tell people, try to visualize what they're saying, because if you try to visualize what they're saying, you'll really tune in to, to, to what they're how they're saying it. And you'll understand them in that moment. And it, it just it's it takes effort sometimes. And right now, I think we're all just going to have to be a little more effort toward our communication and make ourselves better at this. But we can always get to neutral. And, you know, Victor Frankl, I'll just say we did this one line. Between stimulus and response, there's a space, and in that space is our power to choose our response, and in our response lies our growth and our freedom. I think that the growth and the freedom part is most important because you know we have a choice in how we're going to respond to something, and if, we, if we're choosing big brain and we're choosing a positive growth, then, then we're moving forward. Absolutely.
1: But if we're choosing
2: little brain, it, it's the opposite direction. Right, right. So choose it's big been brain? An-
1: Absolutely. And thank you. Thank you for sharing your book, Big Brain, Little Brain, Kevin McCarney. And they can go to bigbrainlittlebrain.com, correct? That is correct. All right. Thank you so much. Stay on the line with us. Thank you so much for being on the program. That wraps up this edition of the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show. Um, You can find me on Facebook, Patricia Raskin Raskin Resources. If you'd like to get a copy of my monthly newsletter, write to me, Patricia, at PatriciaRaskin.com. If you're interested in doing your own podcast, I've interviewed thousands of people, and I can help you put that together. So do contact me. Remember, stay healthy, stay happy, get the support you need, and know you can make your dreams come true. And Happy New Year, everyone. Until next time, I'm Patricia Raskin.